Hi there! Welcome to The Golden Age, a podcast all about the youth of today and how we go about navigating our current world. I'm your host, Bilal Bertai, a high school student who's in desperate need of some life advice. Each week, a guest and I will dive into a topic that we find relevant to our current lives. We'll talk about everything from podcasting, to money, to education, and even relationships, and anything in between. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 9 of The Golden Age. Today I'm joined by Anne-Marie Longpre, or Miss Longpre as I will be referring to <laughs> from further on. Um, hi Miss Longpre. Hi, Bilal. I'm so excited to be here. I'm more excited to have you here. Um, Ms. Lampre, why don't you tell the audience who you are, what you do, and a little bit about yourself? Well, Bilal, I am your favorite English teacher. (laughs) Um, I'm the head of the English department at Mark Garneau Collegiate Institute, and um, I had the privilege of teaching Bilal in grade nine, um, and we've been friends ever since. Yes. Um, So some of you might be wondering why... A podcast dedicated to the youth has an adult on it, but I sincerely believe that Miss Ongpre has a lot of insightful knowledge that we can all benefit from. And I so- genuinely appreciate that you withheld from calling me old, um, <laughs> but it was implied. I heard it. No, Miss Ongpre. I just I meant that you were over the age of twenty four. <laughs> I am over the age of 24. Great. So, (laughs) um, but before we go any further, why don't we jump into the first segment? Let's do it. Welcome to Question S'il vous plaît, the segment, (laughs) the segment in which I, the host, ask you, um, a random question from this deck of questions I have near me. Uh, how exciting. Random. Will it be in French? <laughs> no, it will not be in French. That I'm not at that point yet. <laughs> okay. Randomly selecting. And great. Ooh, hold on. This is weird. Let me choose another question. <laughs> it was phased really weird. Oh, I already did that one. Sorry to the audience. (laughs) My apologies. Already did that one. Already did that one. (laughs) This is bad. Betrayed by his by his cards. This is even episode ten. I don't understand how I've done half of these. Okay, this is a good one. Okay. Would you rather be lucky or wise? Oh my god, that's so easy. Wise, right? Luck isn't. I mean, there's instances of luck, but luck isn't real, right? Lucky is, lucky is an illusion. Lucky is, you know, taking advantage of opportunities. Um, Wise, though, that's something that carries you through. So definitely, I wish for wisdom to know the right path to take, because I think if you don't have wisdom, luck won't get you very far because you won't know what to do with it. What an interesting answer. I love how you said luck doesn't exist. That's the hot take for the episode. <laughs> I, You know, it came out really naturally, and I'm thinking back, and I'm like, do I believe that? And I think I might believe it, even though I still make wishes when it's 11-11 on the clock. Don't worry, I do the same. <laughs> you know, sometimes um, not everything is perfectly uh, rational. <laughs> I completely understand. (laughs) Don't worry. My entire life is an irrational mess. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, my, okay, so let's dive in right to the questions or let's, let's dive right into the questions rather. Um, What do you teach? What do you teach and how long have you been teaching Miss Longcray? I am an English teacher um, and that is my passion in life um, because there's nothing I love more than 
people and stories. Um, so I've been teaching for 13 years, which is um, a long time. <laughs> um, but I wear that as a badge of honor because I'm a much better teacher now than I was 13 years ago. Um, I, yeah, I'm qualified to teach all sorts of things. I'm also, I, you know, I'm, I have my guidance counselor qualifications and, um, I, um, family studies qualified. I taught fashion for a long time because I also love sewing and design. Um, but I always come back to English because, um, I love books. <laughs> Respectable and definitely agreed. Um, well, out of, you mentioned a few subjects that you've taught. Um, would you say English was your favorite? And if so, what's a close second? Mm -hmm. English is definitely my favorite because it's the one where... I feel I get to know people the best because English, we're so lucky. The English curriculum is so open, right? It literally says like reading, writing, and talking. <laughs> um, and, and so I can bring anything in. We can talk about current events. We can talk about politics. We can look, we can watch documentaries. We can read poetry. So I love that it lets me, um, talk to students like humans, right? And we can just experience the world together. But a close second, I'm not sure it's close, but second um, is definitely fashion design. Um, I love, love, love um, being hands-on and getting creative with students. I think that's a whole different way of getting to know people um, by seeing just what comes out of their hearts and minds when they have total freedom and can make anything they want. So, um, that's one of my favorite things too. Plus also when I was teaching fashion design, every Friday we would watch an episode of Project Runway and it was just like the best. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely amazing. Well, you mentioned the curriculum and I want to ask you, mm -hmm. what are some aspects of the curriculum you wish weren't the same or you wish would change, whether it be a tiny bit or a lot? Oh, Good question. Um, my, okay, this is going to sound like a hot take, but hear me out. The English curriculum has four categories, reading, writing, oral and listening, and media. And if it was up to me, I would take media out. And the re and I know that sounds counterintuitive because obviously media literacy is more important than it has ever been. But I think it just like, does not belong in English. I think that media studies, it, there is a media studies course, but I believe it should be expanded and it should be mandatory. Um, I think literacy, like reading and writing, is just way too important to leave media up to like dorks like me with an English degree. Like no one ever, <laughs> that's not what I went to university for. I mean, I'm a media consumer, so I have, and I'm a critical thinker, so I'm able to talk about media literacy, but I think it would be done such better justice if it was a standalone course that students had to take on its own, rather than kind of try to jam it in. Because below, you've been in high school long enough, like the media portion often is like, make a poster about this book. <laughs> it's like, that's not what media literacy is, but that's what happens when you ask like book nerds to teach media. So if it was up to me, I would take that strand right out of the English curriculum, but make it mandatory as its own course. Another hot take. That's two for two. <laughs> um, I do not have lukewarm takes. <laughs> or cold ones for that no. matter. No. Let, let's take the question and expand it to a, a more grander scale or a grander okay. scale, not more grander. What would you wish or what do you wish could be changed about school in general? Oh my God, Bilal. Pulls out literally, a list. <laughs> literally everything. Um, but to give you a coherent answer, um, I would remove grades altogether. I am um, a student of ungrading. I have been researching and reading and my hope is to is to uh, eventually take a leave and do my master's thesis on this. Um, 
it is my strong, you ready? The hot take, right? My strong belief that grades do harm, that bad grades do harm and good grades do even sometimes more harm. Um, and I'd love to hear what you think about that because I bet you could, I bet you'll disagree with me, but that's part of why I'm right because I know that you love grades. You want high grades. That's how you judge yourself. Um, and I think it's bad. Yet another hot take. Um, mm-hmm. This is this episode is especially burning up. But <laughs> <laughs> um, as for my opinion, I mean, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not of the. Um, I'm not of the school that thinks like grades are the most important part of school in general. However, I think once you get rid of grades, it's kind of like um, I think just from a very very particular um, perspective, mm-hmm. like university, college, apprenticeships, those kind of like rely on grades, especially here in Canada when we, where we don't have a holistic approach to like college admissions. Um, You're totally right. Everything would have to change, um, right? Where we would, uh, I mean, lots of people much smarter than me have done a lot of thinking about this. And yeah, it, applying to college and university would have to be a portfolio of your work, right? And think how much more, more valuable that would be and how much more it would say about you than, you know, maybe you got the hard math teacher or maybe you got the easy math teacher. Like we all know that grades are weird, right? And very, very, very subjective. And any teacher who tries to tell you that it's like a totally objective (laughs) view of your accomplishment is like totally lying to you, you know? Like try to get into an argument about someone about the difference between an 83 and an 84. Nothing, like nothing. I know some teachers will make the argument that the grade represents how much you know, right? So like some will say that like if you have a 90, um, you understand 90% of what you've learned. Not that I'm saying I agree with it. Um, I think there's definitely, I, that's a weird way to go about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I definitely, hmm, I don't know. I th- I'll have to sleep on it. <laughs> so one of my problems with grades is that to me, the grade is the end of the conversation and it's the end of the learning. And don't we want everyone to have a hundred? Like why? So this is when I say that ungrading brings up like huge structural issues, right? That why did, why did we decide that all 16 year olds take all the same courses? Like that's, kind of crazy right like maybe you should move on to the next level when you're ready to move on to the next level right with a with a focus on mastery that you should um get as good as you can possibly get and then move on to the next level rather than these like arbitrary timelines these arbitrary numbers have you read a rubric lately it's bananas it's just like a like um ad libs of of adverbs right? Frequently, often, blah, 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 blah. No, like, the more I think about it, the more I start to agree. I think, like, the reason why, like, part of me is like, no, we need grades is because a huge part of my personality is grades. Yes. <laughs> Which is not good. It's not good. I'm not, like, I'm not here um, praising it or anything, but it's, like, a lot of what I think about is, like, grades. Am I going to get the 99 or am I going to get the 90? And then, like, that's not that's definitely like yeah I completely agree and that brings that reminds me of this one person who I'm taking my marketing class with who we do if if you're my marketing teacher please skip this part but we do the quizzes together (laughs) we do the quizzes together um we're on a zoom and we're sharing our screen but don't do that like learn the material so you don't have to do that but basically like for her, she, how do I explain this? She's really good. Okay. Like um, just generally studying. And okay, let me ask you, is a 95 good on a quiz? I mean, yes, objectively, that's a good grade. Yeah. But as a teacher, I I would like you to learn a hundred, right? No, right. Okay. Yes, absolutely. But like, 
for her, a 95 is not enough from a strictly grades perspective. Okay, no, 95 is objectively <laughs> really good, right? Like, yeah. um, not to call her out in anything, but like, it's it kind of like, and I know lots of people like this, maybe not to this extent, mm-hmm. but definitely I know lots of people who are very hung up on grades and doing like, you know, really itch for that 99 or 100 even though like a 97 is just as good or a 95 yeah. is just as good but another hot take for the episode hopefully <laughs> more to come <laughs> mm-hmm. well why don't we move on to my next question okay. and um yeah so um who is your favorite student and why is it me <laughs> <laughs> i'm joking i'm joking the actual question is, what really stands out to you um, in a student? Oh, that's a great question. What stands out to me in a student is someone... Hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Someone who is not afraid to take chances. And in a way, that kind of links to the previous question, right? Because obsession with grades often um, restricts people from taking chances and going out on a limb. So obviously I'm speaking from an English perspective, right? So I'm talking about writing a short story that's like completely out of the box, writing an essay about like one really specific thing that you just got hung up on, right? Like some, so what stands out to me are folks who have a passion and who have a voice um because first of all i think that's incredible at such a young age right i think i think finding your voice is a lifetime project and so when i see it in a 15 year old it makes me go what who are you like (laughs) where did you come from um and I know you were joking, but it, of course it's part of why, why I connected with you, Bilal, because you're one of those students, right, who just, like, have, sometimes teenagers have kind of, like, blinders on, right? Their, their like, world experience is small, um, and they kind of keep it small. Um, and I don't mean that in a judgy way. You're allowed to have a small world when you're 15. Um, but you are always looking wider, right? Like, even if it's as simple as like reading the news, right? Like giving, like caring, I almost swore I was going to say giving a, a, giving a care about what happens in the world. Um, and that always came out in your writing. And so every year, I'll, I'll, I'll always have students who do that, who, who, you know, they may not be quote unquote the best students. Um, you know, their commas are all over the place or whatever, but there's there's a passion there and there's a voice there that that stands out even above the 95s. Well, I feel like I should take this moment to really thank you because um <laughs> first of all, thank you for the kind words. I mean, I don't I have a hard time like looking from the outside in. So it's like, do I agree? Sure. <laughs> but um, I think like this doesn't really, this doesn't really as much, but you kind of got me thinking and it was really, how do I phrase this? How do I phrase this so it's not boring for the audience? <laughs> okay. I think there are very few teachers, I would say, who genuinely make a difference in students' lives. And I would say that, Miss Longpray, you're definitely one of them. Like this oh, is not a, <laughs> this is not a debate. It's very much factual. But I would basically, I don't know if you know this, but you basically kickstarted my um professional career, if that makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll explain. Um, listeners, you can skip over this part. It's not that interesting. But I don't know if you you recall, but um, way back in February, January, December of my first year, so freshman year, um, there was the retreat happening. And yes. yes, which is part of a organization I'm part of now. But back then, I honestly was very like, as you said, blinders, but more of a like... Um, like strictly academic 
like mm-hmm. not going to go, not going to do anything elsewhere. And even strictly academic doesn't really cut it because I wasn't that good of a student either. Like I wasn't paying attention <laughs> or anything. Um, I wasn't like a 97 kid by any means. But um, you, I guess, I don't know the, what happened. I don't know like the behind the scenes, but basically you, Miss Longpray, um, I guess, suggested my name to the guidance counselor to go on that retreat. Mm-hmm. And that was like the the push I needed. And it was also like a domino effect because from that retreat, just so much happened that really made me who I am today. And I genuinely believe that if I hadn't gone on that retreat, like I would be in a very, very different place, whether for the good, um, whether it be better or for worse. Um, I don't know, but I genuinely think it's for the better. Um, and so like, like legitimately, I feel like I would be completely different, a completely different person. And one of one of my biggest goals right now directly stems from being a part of that organization, which directly stems from going on that retreat that one time. And so like, I guess I just really needed to say thank you for that because like, that's not something, how do I explain this? Oh my goodness, I'm losing words. But that's not something like you maybe maybe you didn't expect that either you know maybe you're like okay yeah Bilal's cool I'll suggest his name I guess (laughs) (laughs) like the guidance counselor asked you and you had to think of someone on the spot but regardless it's not something that you really think like going on a retreat everyone's gone on a retreat or at least most um school kids have gone on a retreat before but it's not something you think to be life-changing and like yeah that's the perfect word life-changing because again I honestly don't believe 100% don't believe that I would be where I am today if it weren't for that retreat and in hindsight if it it weren't for you so thank you but also Bilal that's all you man right think of how many other people were at that retreat and you took it and ran with it and watching you just blossom into the political animal you are now (laughs) Um, is just such a just such a wonder I just feel so lucky that our paths have crossed. Likewise, Miss Longfrey, likewise. Well, before we go any further and continue to compliment each other, mm-hmm. why don't we take the a self-esteem bre- hour? <laughs> why don't we take a breather? All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back from that quick break. I am joined here today with Miss Longpray, who was my freshman English teacher. Um, and we'll get right back into it. Miss Longpray, I have yet another question for you. Let's hear it. So you started teaching a while ago. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you, what's the school atmosphere like now versus when you first started teaching? I feel like when for this question, maybe not take into account that we are in a pandemic, but (laughs) like, let's say last year, considering that things were relatively normal. Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. So yeah, my first year of teaching was in 2008. Dare I ask what grade you were in? I think I might've not even been in school at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe grade one. (laughs) Perfect. Um, what is different? That's a great question. Do you want to know about like school or about like teenagers? You're all about the young, the young folk. Yeah. Let's start with teenagers. I would love to know what the 26 year olds were like back then. (laughs) So 2008 was kind of the advent of the smartphone. Right. Um, And so it, Definitely students were less connected on social media than they are now. Um, and that's both good and bad, right? I'm not one of those people who thinks social media is evil. I think I think there's such good stuff that comes from it, right? The, the activism and the awareness and the community. Um, but yeah, when I think about my first couple of years and I'm thinking, um, so my second year of teaching was at Garneau. And I'm thinking back then that, yeah, there were very few phones in the classroom. Um, and there was not god i don't think there was technology like around 
<laughs> that makes it sound like it was literally like a different century. But um, I remember having to like book in a, on like on a piece of paper, um, a, a digital projector, which like every classroom has now like, in in the ceiling tiles right um so but i i remember that of being like what and and i remember being one of the first teachers because obviously i was younger then and um and so therefore i was younger than most teachers and 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 coming in and being like hey guys maybe you could show a youtube video <laughs> and um and and it was considered quite revolutionary <laughs> Um, but when I see students now, I see, and I think this actually goes back to the presence of social media. I see students being more engaged with the world now than they were a decade ago, um, which I think is really cool. Um, I think, you know, every single student in my grade 10 English right now, for example, came into my class knowing about the Black Lives Matter protests in the summer. I can promise you that 10 years ago, that was not the case. Um, you know, I would have had one kid who was a news junkie, um, but, but definitely there's a heightened awareness. I feel like kids just keep getting cooler, which is awesome. Um, taste in music is going down, unfortunately. <laughs> Y'all can't see that, but Bilal just spit out his water. I did a hot take. Um, seriously, I keep waiting for kids to get cooler than me in that regard, and it's not happening. Every like every semester, I ask, like, what should I be listening to? And it just keeps getting worse. Um, so that's, yeah. But I have such hope. I feel like this entire your generation just has this sense of leadership and responsibility that just makes me want to give you the world right now <laughs> and fix it. That is such an interesting perspective because I'll, I'll let's start from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, 2008 was, I mean, I was alive in 2008, so it wasn't like too <laughs> long ago, <laughs> but to think of a classroom that literally doesn't have any technology or any um yeah. that's so weird because honestly right now like youtube videos lectures on you know boards and um yeah. smart boards those are very quintessential to the learning experience at least for my like for my age group um but like back then that it's it's almost baffling because like you wouldn't think right you wouldn't think like yeah less than less than 15 years ago there was absolutely no technologies in classrooms, but now it's like completely overrun. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's probably three like clunky desktops at the back of the classroom. Um, like, again, I don't mean to exaggerate and say that, you know, computers didn't exist, like obviously they did, um, but it certainly was not where we're at now. Yeah, for sure. Um, Hold on, I had I had something I wanted to touch upon. Mm -hmm. Oh no, why is my brain blanking? Well, you know what? Let's move on. And um, um, you mentioned okay. I want to talk about the music part for a second. <laughs> I'm so I'm in agreement completely. Like that's not to say that certain pieces of music haven't come out since then that are slightly better or at least somewhat listenable. <laughs> No, for sure. No, let me be clear. There's amazing music. I'm saying student taste in music. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah, 100% agree. Like, like if one more kid tells me to, like, listen to K-pop or 6 9 the answer oh. is no. No. Ouch. Who's telling you to listen to 6 9 I need to contact them personally. <laughs> All the boys in my grade 10 class. I'm calling them out right now. They, you know, they might be, they might be playing a prank on you because I don't think anyone actually likes 6 9 Really? Yeah. I, like, I, I hope you're correct because my understanding, well, first of all, the music sucks. And second of all, he's a convicted rapist, right? Mm -hmm. Like, dude, <laughs> no, canceled. All done. Well, you mentioned music and I wanted to show you what like a good portion of my playlist looks like. Can you see this? I can. can 
Okay. okay. Skip skip the first three and look at um So, uh, audience listening, you should know that Bilal is a 75-year-old man um, <laughs> and has nothing but uh, 1950s and 60s music, mostly white folk music. Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, I have... I think um, he might be an agent of white supremacy. Oh, my God. That's the hottest take so far. There you go. Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, okay. This, for some reason, let's talk about music for a second, even though okay. it's not the, that's not the topic, or this not the topic at hand. Below, well, I am good. so much more than a teacher, man. <laughs> I'm also a Beyonce stan. <laughs> Listen, out of all of your students, I'm probably the one who knows that the most. <laughs> but I feel like, okay, for some reason, this music is so different that for, like, it just makes me like it in a completely different way. Like, for those of you who don't, like, I'll start saying some titles that a lot of you will probably know. Um, Hold on. (laughs) Maybe, why am I blanking again? Barbara Ann by the Beach Boys. (laughs) Um, Literally my dad's playlist. (laughs) You know what? Your dad and I should meet because we both have tastes. Oh, he's dead. That won't work. Oh, sorry. This is oh my goodness. Um, well, moving on, there are songs like um, "Get Out of My Dreams," "Get Into My Car," which could be, I mean, could be taken the wrong way, but let's move out of that. <laughs> Splish Flash, "Sugar Sugar," um, "Cheeseburger in Paradise," my personal fave. <laughs> Anyways, you're gonna lose music. all your followers now that they know what a dork you are. <laughs> to be fair, that's literally like seven songs out of three hundred on my playlist, but. Yeah, I don't know. I honestly really like that music. But Miss Ampere, what kind of music are you listening to? <laughs> um, I love here, let me pull up my Spotify. Um so when I'm not obsessively listening to the Hamilton soundtrack, I am so I jo- different genres, right? So I I love I love pop music like I love pop right so if it's Beyonce if it's Robin if it's Rihanna I'm happy um I have a secret love for Justin Bieber come on that new song with Chance the Rapper so Chance is one of my favorite artists and so you put Justin and Chance the Rapper together I'm so happy I love Lizzo I love but then I've got like my white girl music I love like Maggie Rogers and king princess and lord and i've got a you know that i have a place in my heart for taylor swift and i'm not gonna apologize for it miss lampre you can't come on my podcast and criticize me for listening to 70s music and then say i like justin bieber (laughs) it does not work that way okay listen i uh, i know i never thought it would come to this but exposed on the headlines (laughs) i know know. well what a tragedy but i guess we can move on from that (laughs) (laughs) i want to get into a very special segment for today called on the same page and for this segment it's first time i've ever done it probably the last considering it's very situational but i want to ask you what you just finished reading and what you are reading right now well luckily i'm sitting on my bed which means i'm next to the books i read all right so what i just finished is five little indians by michelle good um and this book was heavy um so it's about five survivors of residential schools, so Indigenous folks in Vancouver, um, and um, struggling with the trauma from that, struggling with addiction. But in the end, it's really hopeful and beautiful because they help each other through and and form these like lifelong friendships and um, really beautiful, but heavy, heavy, heavy. Um, Oh, I guess the next one is heavy too. So what I'm reading right now is called How to Make Friends with the Dark 
by Kathleen Glasgow. I'm showing Bilal because the cover is so beautiful. Um, and this is about, so this is a YA. That was a regular <laughs> novel. This is for young people, but I love YA so much. Um, so this is about a girl whose mother dies very suddenly of a, of a brain aneurysm. And, um, and because she doesn't have a father who's in the picture she automatically is a ward of the state and so gets put in these like crazy foster homes and so it's her kind of navigating her grief along with navigating this juvenile system that totally is dehumanizing right like literally it'll be like okay pack your bag you're going to another foster home like they're just these pawns in the in the system um so it's really beautifully written and it's it's really um complex topics um but from a teenage girl kind of point of view so she's still got like crushes and stuff and it's cute so highly recommend great well i mean if you guys are interested you can go read those books i'd like to share mine because i feel like one you'll absolutely hate and one you'll absolutely love okay i always want to know what you're reading um even though Bilal likes to torment me with again upholding white supremacy um by insisting on reading the quote classics of dead white people go ahead Bilal what are we reading I'm so distraught Miss Longfrey <laughs> okay let me let me start with the one that I just finished reading because you're gonna like this one okay so what I'm holding so, up <laughs> is Lovely War by Julie Berry, not to be mistaken by um, the person who is on Survivor. This is Julie Berry, the author. Let me talk about it before three, I get your reaction. Top three of 2020. <laughs> Done. I really, really did enjoy this book. Um, to give you guys a very brief summary, it's about, it's very, it's not very mythological, but it does contain um, the perspective of Aphrodite, Apollo, Hades, and Ares, um, who navigate a story about four young, um, not Americans, four young kids or teenagers who are very impacted by the effects of the Great War, World War I, and um, the different struggles that they face throughout. And um, yeah, and it's like, so here's what I really like about it. Aphrodite, Hades, Apollo, and Ares all like mean different or all represent different things. And Ju- what Julie Berry did was whenever one of them was narrating, it was very focused on mm-hmm. whatever like their aspect of, I guess, godlyhood is. So like whenever it was Aphrodite, it was all about love. And this mm-hmm. is lovely war, all about love. Okay. Yeah. Um, whenever it was Ares, war. Um, Hades death and Apollo music because music is also a really big part of this book Mm -hmm. what I didn't like about it I'm not going to spoil anything but the okay so the ending the ending of the four main characters Mm -hmm. a little bit lackluster like I'm going to say it I don't know if you remember what happened I don't want to say it because yeah, I'll, gi- I'll give you that. The ending wasn't my favorite, but it still makes it into my top three of the year because the romance is such a swoon that, like, like I just need an entire book about Aubrey. 100% agree. Yeah. Yes, like, honestly, I'm talking about, like, oh my goodness, specifically the ending, which, which mm-hmm. was, like, very, uh, I don't want to say it, but it's not as dramatic or it's like, it's very lull, but the ending ending of the book was kind of funny. The problem with that one, again, another like thing that I didn't like about it was it really took me out of the fantasy because it's not mythologically correct. (laughs) I I know this person, they would, well, I don't know them personally, but like, I know enough about them that they would never say what they just said. Um, Right. But other than that, the book is an absolute, like, it breaks your heart at points. It um, makes up for it in coming chapters. One of my favorite parts is, I'll just say one word, Paris. <sighs> oh, so good. So good. Oh, my goodness. It yeah. was, it had me like, oh, oh. but then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> just like, 
romance on a level that YA rarely does well because sometimes love stories in YA are like kind of cringy and like um but these are oh gosh like you really believe that they love each other you know um yeah it had me full out crying on the beach this summer (laughs) same I mean not I was internally crying (laughs) (laughs) My second book, which I don't have near me because it's in my room, Mm -hmm. but it is that I'm currently going to start reading again, considering I just finished this one, but it's called Journey to the Center of the Earth by, hold on, I need to, I know it's very, like, everyone knows it, but I just cannot remember the author. Journey to the Center of the Earth. But how do you feel about that? (laughs) tell us how do you feel about the journey to the center of the earth how do i feel about you insisting on reading dead white men um i am (laughs) i'm intrigued (laughs) i'm intrigued at your insistence upon it um, I am also slightly dismayed um, because there is a sense in which basically you're making me think of like Tops Kids, right? Where it's this like feeling of, so I know I keep saying white supremacy, but it's because often people of color, which I think you identify as, um, will align themselves with whiteness in order to get closer to institutional power. And your institutional power is your big brain, right? You're a genius. Um, And so is this too real for you? So audience, you can't see that he's got his hand on his face. Um, I cannot believe Sorry, I cannot believe I'm getting psychoanalyzed on my own podcast. It's just real that there's power in aligning yourself to traditional centers of power and whiteness. Um, And so having that kind of classic canon um, in your tool belt, you know, puts you above, um, you know, your fellow brown folk. And, um, you know, I think, I think that's mixed into with your, with your like aspirations for the Ivy league. It's all aligning yourself with that power. And I can't blame you. We live in a white supremacist society. Um, but it's why I wish you would just write your own books and only read people of color. Well, guys, that brings us to the end of the podcast. I'm joking, but here's the thing. Like, I I see where you're coming from, but I don't think I would agree. Like, okay. Yeah, I think, um, let's see, how would I explain my affinity for more of the classics? I think I would just say, like, they really intrigue me because um, I find a lot, a lot of the books that I read, not to brag or anything, but they feel very easy, and I feel like the kind of writing in more classical works, like, isn't found a lot in more modern books right so it's it's kind of like I guess itching um for a challenge sure yeah that's I think that's precisely it like like I need something to push me more like um but a phenomenon I thought was really cool when I was reading Lovely War after like reading The Time Machine and like Emma and um some of the Journey to the Center of the Earth was it was like really easy like this is not, I'm not trying to be like, guys, look at me reading hard works of fiction and then going back to easy stuff and finding it too easy. But it was like so easy on the eyes, I guess. Yeah. When, read, when reading like fiction, it's obviously older language and older language is harder to understand. And so it's what I do is I usually, I'm more of a skim reader. I'm not like look at each word and read. But mm-hmm. when I'm reading something harder, like I have to do that or I'm not understanding what's going on. Right. Yeah. And so that was an interesting thing I noticed, but I hope you guys appreciated Miss Longfrey calling me out and dragging me <laughs> through the mud. <laughs> well, yeah, I also that was... called you a genius. It was all part, it was all part of love. 
<laughs> it was like the yin yang symbol. Every bad has to come with that good. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. Okay, how about I expose you for a? Oh no! So let me tell you guys this: Miss Longfrey's recommendation in books is very unmatched. Like every book she's ever recommended me was a spot on hit. Like this one, Lovely War, was recommended recommended by her to me and a lot of other books. I want to bring up two books in particular, Wanderers and um, do you remember the book that I like right before Lovely War? What was it called? Oh my gosh. Um, oh my God. This is bad. I think it's called. Um, was it, was it, I hope you get this message. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Okay. Let me tell you guys. Wanderers is about a <laughs> epidemic slash mm-hmm. virus taking over the earth and killing 99% of, well, not kill, killing and preserving 99%. Okay, it's a very, it's very complicated, but basically virus, epidemic. And, and when did I give you that book, Bilal? Right before we went <laughs> into quarantine. <laughs> you know what? This book isn't even YA. It's like adult fiction. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no. It's, it's an 800 page grown up book. But it was it was so good. It was, it was so, bad. so bad. I was like, this is and it, let me tell you, whenever I read anything, I kind of take that mindset into like whatever I'm doing, right? So it's like mm-hmm. every day, like if I'm reading like a great romance novel, I'm like giddy the entire day. So reading that, I was like, we are this is the beginning of quarantine. So like we didn't even know much about COVID, but I was like, we're all gonna die. Um, <laughs> things are not gonna get better. It's gonna all turn to crap but <laughs> second book that's first book second book i hope you get this message this was a lot lighter first of all and i yes. honestly enjoyed it it was very it, it teased us i guess you could say at the end very much a big cliffhanger but it's about it's also about the end of the world <laughs> like point blank period and i was given to this while we're still in quarantine listen <laughs> Listen, I have an affinity for books about the apocalypse. Um, <laughs> so, you know, ask me for recommendations at your own peril. Absolutely. But no, they were both great, great books. They just <laughs> unfortunately happened to be about an apocalypse as well. <laughs> Why don't we jump in or... Why don't we jump to our next question that I have for sure. you? What is your teaching philosophy? I mean, do you have an hour? <laughs> <laughs> I can distill my teaching philosophy pretty simply, actually, which is um, my philosophy is that every person that walks into my classroom is a person. Um, I, you know, too often teachers, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with using the word student, but when we see human beings as only one thing, um, we them properly, right? So I best in everything I do, in the texts I choose for us to read, in the way that I interact with people, um, to see my students as full like three-dimensional human beings it's part of why i avoid homework as much as possible because i think it's too easy to say oh well students do homework but yeah but human beings have families and friends and hobbies and um you know whole lives outside of the six hours that they spend with us every day so I I think everything I do stems from my commitment to treating every individual person as an individual person with individual needs. You know, I'm committed to um, treating every person in my classroom as an individual with individual needs and individual interests that are just as valid as everybody else's. This is precisely why, Miss Longfrey, you're one of my favorite teachers. But I guess I'll just leave it at that because I think that's a great um, that's a that's a great point. And I feel like if I add anything onto it, I'm just gonna tarnish it. But <laughs> I have 
very two quick two very quick questions maybe not as quick um but my next question is some students aren't as receptive to the academic environment or just aren't in line with some of the school aspects of school which is completely understandable how do you go about reaching those students in your classroom you know what below that's so connected to what i just said which is that Every person wants to learn. Every person wants to see value in what they do. And, um, and so I think it's important, especially as high school teachers, that we understand that we're getting people at the end of, you know, 12, 13 years of school where they may have had a decade of bad experiences of feeling stupid or feeling useless or feeling unsuccessful. And so, um, you know, if a student ends up in my grade 10 class telling me, I don't read, I hate school, that's not about me. That's about an accumulation of experiences they've had. And those are real, right? So there's no point in telling them, well, that's not good and that's not <laughs> fair um so it's about meeting people where they're at and asking what they need um and i've i, I have success with that right that um usually and and this is what i try to do in my leadership role is try to help teachers see that that there's no such thing as learning unless relationship is established first, right? You need to, and, and with students who have good experiences with school, those relationships are super easy, right? They come in trusting teachers, trusting school, and it's fine, right? Um, and so it's easy to look at those kids who maybe act out or don't do what you want them to do and say, well, it must be a problem with them because everyone else is fine, right? Um, but it's just not that, simple and going back to every person is just a is a person like a whole living like life and so asking people what they need is a really and and trying to prove to them that you're on their team um is is an important step towards trying to repair that institutional relationship right because school does real harm to a lot of people It just started furiously raining outside. So I know, it, I, did, it did here too, yeah. Yeah, I extremely apologize if you can hear that in the back. It's um, kind of a beautiful but, <laughs> It looks very threatening here, but regardless. <laughs> <laughs> um, hold, what do I want to add? Um, but like, yeah, it makes... I, I, what I don't understand is why some teachers will like immediately categorize those students as like the bad kids. When yep. it's in reality, it's kind of like, no, I mean, not really. <laughs> just that. Yeah, and the thing is, is when you do that, you're just playing right into their narrative, right? You're, you're proving to them that they were right, that, that teachers are the enemy, school is the enemy, school is not a safe place for them. And so wh what do you do? You got you to gotta prove them wrong. And that's a lot of work. It takes a lot of compassion and it takes a lot of setting your ego aside. Um, but that's one of my philosophies too, is that there's no room for ego in my practice. It's not about what works for me. It's about what works for you. That is such a great message because so many teachers, like I've had personal experiences with so many teachers who are like, like, I don't care, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I'm yeah. teaching and you have to be receptive to whatever I'm teaching. Yeah. And this is the assignment. What do you mean you want to change it somehow? Well, like, what do you like? Uh, I made this. And it's like, it. Ugh, come on, man. Right. It's not about me. I already have my high school diploma. It's about what, like, what do, what do you need to get to where you want to be? That's also like the people, uh, the teachers who are like, no, I don't give hundreds. I'm like, Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Or like taking off marks for being a day late or right, all that kind of stuff where you're like, what? That's not, none of that is good for a kid. Last year I had a situation and I told you about this mm -hmm. where you remember. You remember I do this? remember. It made me so mad. My math teacher, um, we were doing a quiz and I had my headphones in listening to some lo-fi because it helps me concentrate. Yeah. And 
I forgot, I think I forgot to put my name or something. And the teacher legitimately took off like a good 30% of my mark from the test just because, um, because of like, I had my headphones in and I forgot to write the name. I was like, okay, <laughs> like go off, I guess. <laughs> I mean, what a crazy ego trip, right? Like I have these rules and therefore you will be punished. It's such a, what, what, what part of learning is that? No, 100% agree. I mean, we could be here all day just like, yeah or not nagging like literally criticizing um like so many of these teachers who are like Mm -hmm. think they're all that but (laughs) Mm -hmm. um i think we should move on before we get too riled up (laughs) (laughs) and see stuff that we're gonna regret but i think i'm gonna end on a very very broad and generic question which i guess aren't always the best but what is an what are what is a piece of advice you would give to anyone going into high school, maybe leaving high school in the middle of high school. It's honestly up to you for interpretation, but what would, what piece of advice would you give to a teen or a youth person? I mean, that's a great question. I, my advice is to, Oh man. I know there's so much you probably would like to say. I know my, What I wish I had been told (laughs) as a teenager is that you like actually for real matter and that you should treat yourself accordingly. Um, And it, and that means lots of things, right? It means take care of yourself. It means please get some sleep. It means please eat some vegetables, but it also means figuring out what you love And it means setting real boundaries in your life and saying, no, I'm not doing six hours of homework. I need to um, hang out with my friends, right? I need to uh, go swimming. So I think when you come from a place of self-worth, you are able to ask for what you need. And that is a piece of advice I would give to any young person in school, especially, is that it's always okay to ask for what you need ask for an extension ask for a different explanation ask for another example ask for um a different way of doing something because we work for you right and so i would say trust yourself trust your gut um and understand that you're gonna get where you need and want to go um it's just not worth sacrificing yourself at the altar of the 95. Beautifully said, Miss Longfrey. I 100% agree. Well, I, that brings me almost to the end of the episode. We have one last segment to do called... Penny for your thoughts. Um, <laughs> Are you going to throw pennies at me? I wish, but no, (laughs) I'm kidding. But this is the segment in which you, the guest, Ms. Longpray, can tell us any last things that are on your mind that you would like to share to the audience. This can be honestly anything. It doesn't have to do with a topic. It can be completely irrelevant, but yeah, it's go ham. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I'm just going to say you have to read everybody. You have to read everything all the time. You have to, (laughs) Um, that, you know, reading fiction is an act of empathy. You're putting yourself in people's shoes, putting yourself in people's stories, reading the news, reading essays, understand what other people think so that you can understand what you think. Um, Just, I guess it all distills down to you got to be curious because the second you stop being curious about yourself and about the world, that's death. And some people die at the age of 14, right? Um, And I'm using die figuratively here. Um, But if your whole life is just memorizing facts to regurgitate on a test, you're going to wake up one day and be 40 and like realize that you never pursued something that was important to you. So be curious. The whole point of being alive is being connected to each other, being connected to the world and learning new things all the time. 
I will not add any comments to that because I think that's great. Like what you said is absolutely amazing. Well, you're um, such a perfect example of it, Bilal. You're so curious. Stop. <laughs> you're always like, huh, I wonder what that is. And then you figure it out. And that is, that's what, that's what's going to make a fulfilling life. Thank you. Thank you. I really do hope so. Mm-hmm. But Ms. Longford, I have one, one last final question to ask you that I ask all my guests. Mm-hmm. Who would you like to see on the podcast? Oh my goodness. I love that you're focusing on youth voices. So I think you just got to keep talking to your peers. I think everyone has a story to tell. So, I mean, realistically, I want to see your adorable sister on the podcast. Uh, uh, uh. Never in a million years. I'm so sorry. Like, you could tell me I would like Shakespeare on the podcast. I'll be like, I'll try to make it happen. But no, no. But like, that's actually a really interesting answer because usually I like say it doesn't have to be realistic. You can be, you can choose anyone. Like, doesn't have to be able. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, Yeah, I get it. Yeah. But like, I've never gotten that answer before. And it's really interesting. So I really like that. Yeah. Everyone Um, has a story to tell. Exactly. Um, well, Miss Longfrey, that does bring us to the end of the episode. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here. It was so nice to talk to you. Of course, anytime. Any conversation is a blast with you, Miss Longfrey. But that brings us to the end. Um, for the listeners, I hope you've learned a thing or two. This is probably once in the blue moon where I'll have someone um, who... A grown-up. <laughs> a grown-up, an adult um, <laughs> on the podcast. But... Yeah, I hope you guys learned a thing or two. And that's all from me. All right. Bye, Bilal. Bye, Miss Longprey. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Golden Age. Make sure to subscribe to keep up with weekly episodes every Monday. And follow us on Instagram and TikTok at The Golden Age Podcast. I'm your host, Bilal Bertai and make sure to keep shining.